Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. This is New York Game Day with Anita Marks and Chris Canty on 98.7 ESPN. Couldn't sleep last night. It felt like the night before Christmas. The NFL season is finally here after an offseason where you have so much movement. Chris, you can't make this story up if you try. Listen, I consider myself a creative person. I took creative writing in high school. I got an A-plus in this class. But I, I I couldn't even write this script if you asked me to. It's unbelievable. New York game day starts. Hard to get it done with Smallwood. Dilly dilly. No. no. Anita Marks. Chris Canty. It is New York game day. Week 12 of the NFL season. Canty, what's up, man? I can't call it Anita. How you doing this morning? I am great. I am great. I'm excited. A lot of great games. <laughs> Uh, so I, not, I take not it you're exclu- not talking about the local football team. No, you say excluding a lot of the Giants and the Jets. The great games. And it's funny, like, you know, I haven't had a great, let's be honest, and you know this, because you're with me for uh, Anita's Locks of the Week, which, as we know, have not been locks, far from locks. I've not had a, a great season. But this week, and I know I feel like I say this to you each and every week, like this week I feel like, oh, like, I'm on Dallas. Nobody's on Dallas. I'm on the Eagles. Nobody's on the Eagles. And so I just I feel like I feel this is kind of a, a an interesting week because I am all about the teams that nobody else is about. I'm a, I'm about the Oakland Raiders minus three. Everybody I've spoken to think the Jets are going to win outright today. So um, it's just a very very interesting week. We're going to get into um, our locks of the week, my picks, Chris Canty's, and by the way. I'm not having a great year, but Canty's having a monster year when it comes to his pick. So um, ooh, that comes your way at 10 o'clock. So, but I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to see this Dallas Cowboys team against a Patriots team that's struggling since they've started playing like real opponents. Um, and 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 also, I'm really excited for that Philadelphia Seattle game. We got a great game tonight with San Francisco and Green Bay, and just really really good games on top for Week 12. No, there are a lot of really good games. I'm looking forward to Cowboys, Patriots, just like you. Also, Packers, 49ers. The Monday night game is pretty interesting, too, Anita. You got the Ravens going out there to L.A. to take on the Rams. So, I mean, playoff implications up and down the slate, except for the local football teams. But we got to talk about them because, I mean, the Jets and Giants fans have to have a way to be able to vent, right? Absolutely. So, let's kick it off. How about Let's start with the Giants today. Uh, the Giants, uh, they are getting six points. The Bears are favored by six. Over-under is at 40 and a half. Um, I've got a, a few little nuggets here I do want to share with you and some of our listeners. But before I do, I guess the biggest storyline coming out is the fact that um, that Mitchell Trubisky will start. Uh, let's listen in really quick. This is Tom Waddle talking about the decision. It just so happened the hip pointer miraculously has gone away for Trubisky because he was benched last week. Uh, let's listen in. This is him getting the start today against the Giants. I never question anybody's injury. I, I think that there was an injury on Sunday night. Now, I believe personally, with no real inside knowledge, that it was probably a combo decision to take him out. That not only had he kind of injured his hip, but he also wasn't playing well, so they took the opportunity to remove him from the game. He was full participation Wednesday and Thursday in practice, so 
where we are is is that Mitch is going to line up under center, as far as I understand, on Sunday against the Giants. So, Chris, I'm going to tee this up for you just just like that. Trubisky getting the start for Chicago, I actually think this benefits the Giants. Do you? Well, here's the thing. I think it does benefit to the, the the Giants to some degree just because Mr. Trubisky hasn't played well and, and Matt Nagy can say what he wants and the people coming out of the Chicago Bears organization can try to frame it any way they want, but they're disappointed in their 30-year quarterback. Like Mitch Trubisky was expected to be better, especially after the sophomore season that he was able to put together in the team winning 12, game, 12 games. This year, the Chicago Bears are dead last in yards per passing attempt at 4.9. Anita, you got teams that run the ball for 4.9 yards a carry. They can't throw the ball for more than 4-point yards in attempt. That's got to be a disappointment for somebody that they moved up from 3 to 2 three years ago in order to draft him. And they took that guy ahead of Pat Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. So there's a lot of show and prove with Mitch Trubisky in the remaining games for the Chicago Bears. But I'll tell you this, if he can't get right against this Giants pass defense, then Anita, I don't think he'll ever get right. Hey, uh, weather conditions as well. I want to share this is a snippet uh, from Roto World. And I'm just going to read it. It looks like uh, Trubisky will be getting the start for the Bears against the Giants. On paper, the matchup looks good against New York. Uh, their bottom tier defense. But Trubisky has been pretty bad all season, regardless of the matchup. Wind speeds of 13 miles per hour um, aren't really a lot to be concerned about. Um, but you have to keep that in mind. Allen Robinson, already a dicey start. Um, of course, we're talking wide uh, fantasy-wise, uh, given the quarterback play. And then, of course, Sterling Shepard expected back, which I do want to talk to you about that really quick. Um, and then you've got Golden Tate, Darius Slayton. Uh, you've got a Giants team as well. They're going to be without not only just Evan Ingram, but Rhett Ellison as well. So Smith is going to be the starting tight end. Um, weather conditions, in anywhere between 13 to 15 miles per hour, does that benefit one or the other? Because both of them have solid running backs. Obviously, Saquon Barkley much better than David Montgomery. But 15 mile per hour, 13 to 15 mile per hour wins. How do you think that affects this game, Chris? Well, I think it's about the team that's offensive line can establish a new line of scrimmage. And what I mean by that is the five guys up front being able to get some surge at the point of attack and being able to move defensive linemen and linebackers off the ball. I mean, running backs, Bill Parcells said this all the time. They all run the same when there's no hole. So it'll be up to the Giants offensive line and the Bears offensive line due to the inclement weather to be able to have that reliable ground game. And to me, that starts with winning the line of scrimmage. Whatever group wins the line of scrimmage, you have to feel better about their chances in this game just because they're going to be able to put together drives. They're going to be able to move the football even without having the benefit of having a consistent passing attack. So if that's what the game come down to, Anita, you have to, you have to feel better about the Bears and their chances in this game as opposed to the Giants because the Giants offensive line has been a work in progress and it's almost felt like they've regressed as this season has gone on. 800-919-3776 is the phone number you want to chime in on this Giants matchup against the Chicago Bears. Uh, Chris, let's listen in. This is Daniel Jones talking about the Bears defense earlier this week. Yeah, he's, uh, he's a good player, one of the, you know, top pass rushers in the league. So we'll have a, a plan for that. And, and, you know, they're a good group on defense. And, um, you know, like I said, I think we'll, we'll have a good plan for it. I think, you know, we did start to it today and, and, uh, we'll keep building off of it. But, um, you know, it's about what we do. It's about how we, you know, execute that plan and, and uh, you know, us being ready to go. So 
Um, they're a good defense, but we'll be, we'll be ready. Again, Daniel Jones obviously talking um, about uh, Khalil Mack and uh, that Bears defense that has really not performed the way that we thought that they would, especially their turnover ratio. Chris, they haven't been uh, they haven't been been winning the turnover battle like they did last year, like considerably by a lot. Yeah, I mean, the turnovers come in bunches. And last year, Chicago Bears were one of the best in the National Football League and taking the football away. They just have not had that same fortune this year. And Khalil Mack hasn't been able to get right, Anita. I mean, Khalil Mack is, is used to terrorizing quarterbacks, and he's only got one sack over over his last, what are we talking about, last six games? I believe Khalil Mack has one sack. So if he's not able to have the kind of impact that they traded for him to have, if he's not getting after the quarterback and disrupting, the, the source of the passing game, then it's going to be a little bit tougher for that Bears defense, and I think that's what we've seen. That being said, they're still top 10 in points and yards, so they're not a pushover defense by any stretch. And if you're the New York Giants, you have to try to avoid negative plays going up against this defense. He's Chris Canty. I'm Anita Marks. We come back. I've got some uh, some nuggets for you to share pertaining to this matchup with the Giants and the Bears. Also, we'll take your calls, 800-919-3776. Mike, I see you. You will be first up. Also, Chris, marinating this. I'm curious. I want to get your thoughts on Sterling Shepard. Dealing with concussions last year, had horrible migraines and headaches. Two concussions this year, but is expected to suit up and play today. And I question that, especially for a Giants team that has nothing to 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 play for this season. So I, I do want to get your thoughts on Sterling Shepard being active, and we'll see how attractive he will be today. All that and more coming your way next. You're listening to New York Game Day here on 98.7 ESPN. This is New York Game Day with Anita Marks and Chris Canty on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, before I share some nuggets and we get to our calls, Chris, uh, I'd, I'd love for you to comment on your thoughts on Sterling Shepard and, and the fact that he's expected to play today. Well, here's the thing, Anita. Football players want to be out there. They want to play. And, and Sterling Shepard, unfortunately, has had to deal with these concussions for several years now with the Giants. And it's starting to get to the point now where you question whether or not he should, he should continue playing professional football. Um, but especially in a season when you, when you look at this team through the first 10 games, they only have two wins. Essentially, the only thing that you have to play for is the development of young, young players. I don't think Sterling Shepard qualifies as, you know, a developmental piece. He, he's a veteran player in that team right now. So the only value that I can see, the only thing that would make sense is that the organization thinks that Sterling Shepard is an integral part of Daniel Jones and his continued development. That's the only thing that makes sense here. Interesting. All right. Uh, some nuggets for you. And Chris, you probably um, are aware of a lot of these. But for our listeners, uh, the Giants have trailed 77 percent of their offensive snaps this season um, ahead of only the Bengals, who uh, trail at 78 percent. Since Daniel Jones took over the starting job in week three, he's turned the ball over 25 percent of their drives. That's the highest rate in the NFL. The Bears are 14th in turnover rate forced, which is 13 percent. Um, on the season um, at this point, and we talked about it just a second ago, at this point in the season last year, Chris, they were first in the league at 23%, just to give you an idea of uh, what a down season their defense is having. The Giants are allowing eight yards per pass play, 31st in the NFL, and 27% of David Montgomery's carries have gained five or more yards, which is the lowest rate in the NFL. I'm curious, Chris, how do you think David Montgomery is going to do against this Giants defense this today? 
Well, this Giants defense hasn't been great with stopping the run. I mean, they're, they're 23rd in the National Football League in yards allowed. So, I mean, I, you know, I, I think the biggest question has to be, okay, how can the Giants try to force the Chicago Bears offense into some negative plays? Because the one thing we talked about with Mitch Trubisky, he's not pushing the ball downfield. So it's a lot of short passing games. So how do you disrupt that? My thing is this, you have to recognize, okay, there might not be the, the seven-step drops that you're looking for to give you time to get to the quarterback, but you can do the next best thing, which is get your hands up. So that'll be up to Dexter Lawrence and B.J. Hill, Marcus Golden, those guys up front, to be able to get their hands in the passing lanes and take away those easy throws from Mitch Trubisky. I think if they can do that, they can go a long ways into helping their cause in terms of being able to neutralize this Bears offense. Some other skilled position players we will see in this game. Saquon Barkley going up against uh, the Bears defense. Leaky against running backs. Running backs are uh, are averaging over 100 yards per game against them. Uh, Golden Tate with Sterling Shepard back. He was sporting a 24% target share, but with Sterling Shepard back, uh, that double-digit di- target share should go down. Not sure exactly Um you know, how much volume he's going to get today. Allen Robinson against this Giants secondary. The Giants have allowed 10 touchdowns to opposing lead wide receivers this season. But I mentioned the wind conditions, anywhere between 13 to 14 miles per hour. Also, Taylor Gabriel, by the way, Chris, 14 targets last week. And as we know, the Giants very susceptible to, uh, to, to wide receivers that can stretch the field, uh, who go for the long ball. Your thoughts on this Giants secondary defending both Allen Robinson and Taylor Gabriel today? Well, Anita, it's, it's going to be a situation where that giant secondary has to communicate. And I get that there are a lot of young guys on the back end of that defense, but this is the time of year where you start to see young players take that next step. So, I mean, you have to look squarely at DeAndre Baker and hope that this is a game where he can show that he's made some strides, not only in terms of his individual technique, but overall understanding the scheme that James Betcher is trying to employ and figuring out a way where he can be more effective. This giant secondary has been the worst in the National Football League with allowing big plays. No defense has allowed more 40-yard plays than the Giants' defense. And Anita, that's, that's attributed to a lot of secondary breakdowns, a lot of coverage, miscommunications, and that's just something that should be getting better at this time of year. You shouldn't still be making the same mistakes that you made in the first month of the season as you get to the final six games. Let's uh, head out to our callers, 800-919-3776. Mike, I said you're first up, and sure enough, you are. Welcome in. You're on New York Game Day. Uh, good morning, guys. Uh, question for you, but it's going to wrap into both of your segments about fancy and the Jets and Giants. Um, I got Mahomes. He's on a bye this week. So I got Trubisky or Derek Carr, you know, both playing – Bad, uh, bad offensive, bad New York defensive teams. Uh, what, what do you think? That's not even close, Derek Carr. Yeah, even with the rain. That's not even close, Chris. Even with the rain, that's what. The- even with the rain, it's not even close. I, <laughs> Trust I, that's me. That's why I have plugged in right now, but the rain was scaring me a little bit. Here, no, here's, no. here's the thing, Chris. Don't let the rain scare you. The, the Oakland Raiders offense on the road is averaging the most yards per play of any NFL team. Here's, Go here's, with the Raiders. Here's, <laughs> here's the thing, Chris. Their offensive line is, I think, when, how would you rank them? Would you rank them top three, top five? Uh, I think they've given up the second fewest sacks. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're that good, but I would definitely say top five, Anita. Yeah, I, I think Derek Carr is going to have all day. That's what I think. I'm anticipating him to have all day. Agree. Uh, let's, I agree. Let's go to Eddie in Rockland. Eddie, you're up. Hey, Anita. Hey, Big Chris. What's happening? Okay. 
On the Giants, basically I look at it this way. I wanted Thurman to give up the play call-ins week one. I didn't like his play call-in last year. What do you think about them hiring, if they blow this game, hiring like an old coach, a Mike Smith, or somebody to take over as offensive coordinator and someone they can lean on just in case they need to get rid of Shermer at the end of the year? I don't think that's a decision that you have to make right now. I think that you've gotten to this point with a rookie quarterback. Um, once they decided to, to insert Daniel Jones in week three, I think that tempered expectations. But that being said, I think Pat Shermer's still on the hook to be able to get some wins. So we'll see what he can do over the course of the next six games. There are obviously some winnable games in there with the Miami Dolphins and then the Washington Redskins. But we'll have to see what happens. I mean, if, if Pat Shermer is talking about finishing this season Four and twelve. It's hard for me to say that his job is safe, especially in his rookie year where he finished five and eleven. So in your second year, your coach should be building on what they did in his first year. It just doesn't feel like this Giants team collectively is doing that. So I know they have the built-in excuse of the young quarterback, but to me, there's just some games in there that Pat Shermer is giving away. That, that you can't give away. The Arizona Cardinals game, the Detroit Lions game, losing to the New York Jets in front of the New York fans. I just think that those are games that those are losses that are unacceptable. I'm with you, but also, Chris, keep in mind, this is, this is a, a an ownership, uh, night and day from like a Dan Snyder or, you know, um, a, an ownership group that, that has knee jerk reactions, you know, in, and you played for them. I worked for them. You know how Mara is, and he still has a lot of say, even though this is a, a team that's 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 owned by two men. Um, I, I I I do anticipate Sherman to be back next season. Don't you? Well, I mean, I, I need I would lean that way, just right. knowing how the Giants like to do business. But I I can't be certain that that's going to happen. If the Giants finish four and twelve or worse, Anita, I think everything is is open to discussion. I'm not saying that they will make a move if he finishes 4-12 and 12 or worse, but I, I'm just saying that that will be a conversation that happens with ownership and the front office. All right. He's Chris Canty. I'm Anita Marks. Uh, we're going to switch gears here. We're going to talk about that other New York team that happens to wear green. They are home today, getting ready to take on the Oakland Raiders. Weather conditions, not nice outside. Ira, uh, is in Staten Island. I guess he's not at the game. Uh, we would like to hear from folks who are at the game. Apparently, quite a few people are already out there, been out there since 6.30, tailgating, 800-919-3776. We get back. We'll break down this Jets-Raiders game next here on 98.7 ESPN. This is New York Game Day with Anita Marks and Chris Canty on 98.7 ESPN. You guys talk at all about the possibility of running the table and what that would mean? I mean, sometimes, but I mean, not really. We just, we're really bought into the one week at a time thing. Because, I mean, we, we say the same things as we had a couple losses. Like, we don't, there's a team that doesn't really switch up. I mean, it's nitty gritty. Like, you know, we just, it's November football. You got to. You just got to keep playing week in, week out. Don't don't think about somebody you're going to fight three weeks from now instead of the person you're going to fight this Sunday. That is uh, Jordan Jenkins, by the way. Anita Marks, Chris Canty, and you. You're listening to New York Game Day talking about the Jets. Uh, they are getting two and a half, three and 
three, three and a half in some places, and the over-under is 46. Uh, Jordan Jenkins talking about running the table, Chris. Obviously, the Raiders today at Cincinnati, the Dolphins at the Ravens, the Steelers at the Bills. I don't see them, especially against the Ravens. Are you kidding me? And I actually, I'm probably the only person on the planet who actually thinks the Oakland Raiders win today. Your thoughts, Chris? Well, I just don't think that uh, Jordan Jenkins and the rest of the Jets should focus on the remaining schedule. I think you have to look at it as a one-week season. You're a three and seventeen through the first ten games. I think the focus should be improvement and trying to put yourself in the best position to be able to win a game on Sunday. Beyond that is it's you know thinking about anything beyond that is premature. You know I just think that you have to have the focus be on the task at hand. And the Oakland Raiders are plenty good enough to deserve 100% of this Jets team focus. Now, I get it. The team has played a lot better last couple of weeks after Chris Johnson came out and gave Adam Gase the vote of confidence. The offense has put up 68 points over the course of two weeks, so that's a welcome change, especially for the guys on the defensive side of the ball. But to me, it's about consistency when you take a step up in competition because you're not playing against the New York Giants. You're not playing against the Washington Redskins. You're playing against a team that if the playoffs were to start today – would be in a wild card picture. So I just, to me, this is one of those situations where let's see if the improvement that we've seen from this Jets team, particularly this Jets offense, the last two weeks is real or is it just the result of playing against inferior competition? By the way, this portion of the show brought to you by uh, Ford Lincoln of Queens. Um, Get the best pricing around at Ford Lincoln of Queens off the corner of Hillside Avenue and Queens Boulevard in Jamaica. Call 1-888-YES-FORD or FordLincolnOfQueens.com. Um, all right. Some uh, some little nuggets here for you when it comes to the Jets and Raiders. Uh, the Jets have scored 43% of their possessions the past two weeks as opposed to 13% of their previous eight games. And a lot of that, Chris, um, to be quite frank, has to do with the opponents that they face. Let's be honest. Uh, the Dolphins, the Giants, and the Washington Redskins. The Jets are 31st in rushing yards per drive, only ahead of Miami. Oakland is averaging about 13 rushing yards per possession, which is fifth in the league. And the Jets are allowing six rushing yards per possession, which is fewest in the league. As I said earlier when I was on, on my fantasy forecast show, I really think the big key here is the Oakland Raiders' offensive line. Do they win the battle in the trenches against the Jets' defensive line, opening up holes and allowing Josh Jacobs to run the football, especially with these weather conditions? I think, to me, that's the biggest key. Do you agree, or do you have another key that you think is even more important? Well, no, I I agree with you. I think the the game will be won or lost based on what that Raiders' offensive line and run game does against that Jets' front seven. The Jets are the best in the National Football League at being able to stop the run, Anita. I mean, that's that's not a fake statistic. Those guys are really, really good up front. They they build the wall, and then the linebackers play downhill, and they stuff the run. They'll have their work cut out for them going up against Josh Jacobs, though. He's fourth in rushing in the National Football League, and that's behind Nick Chubb, Dalvin Cook, and Christian McCaffrey. So, I mean, this kid is special. He's got a little something to him, and the Jets have to be ready for that because one of the best things that the Oakland Raiders do offensively is stay on schedule. And what I mean by that is second and six are better, third and three are better. They, they're, they're one of the best teams in terms of being able to convert third downs because you're talking about third and manageable situations. So it'll be up to that Jets front seven to be able to stop the runs on early downs and distances and then be able to create some third and longs and give yourself an opportunity to get off the field. Uh, some other, uh, some other little nuggets here. Uh, Jamison Crowder, love him in regard to Sam Darnold, the, 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 
connection that they've had. Crowder's getting 25% of the target share so far this season. Le'Veon Bell, somewhat of a disappointment this season, but Oakland has allowed 182 and 149 yards from scrimmage uh, to the Chargers in the Bengals' backfield the past two weeks. So this could be a game, Chris, that Le'Veon Bell can be active and attractive, you know, as I like to say. Darren Walker, get this. This is uh, the Jets' defense. They have not faced a lot of great tight ends this season. The best tight end that they faced this year was Zach Ertz. He had five receptions for 57 yards and scored a touchdown in that game. Um, and uh, we talked about Derek Carr. I think he's going to have a field day. Uh, this is a Jets team that has allowed Garter Minshew, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and Daniel Jones, as well as Dwayne Haskins, over the past four weeks to actually uh, do well against them. So I think Derek Carr is going to have a really, really good day. I had Cynthia Freeland on the show yesterday. I know you do like to listen to my Saturday show, which I so um appreciate from you, Chris Canty. Uh, she said Hunter Renfro, she, her, her algorithm has Hunter Renfro scoring a touchdown today. Here's another big key in the game. I love Ryan Griffin, who, by the way, uh, Rich Samini's reporting got a multi-year contract that he, uh, his John Hancock, he signed that yesterday. Um, no Chris Herndon this season, but Griffin has stepped up in a big way. And just looking forward to the future, Chris, I mentioned this early, earlier. Boy, Sam Darnold coming into 2020 with both Ryan Griffin and in a healthy Chris Herndon? That that's 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 fun. That's fun for a quarterback. No, you have to feel good about that. And he's got chemistry with Ryan Griffin. And we saw last year that there was something special between he and Chris Herndon, particularly toward the end of that season. So hopefully, you know, Sam can continue to trend in the right direction and getting those guys back will be huge for him going into 2020. But the biggest thing for Sam Donald, Anita, for me, is to make sure in this game you get him in a rhythm early. Make sure that he gets comfortable. We saw against the Washington Redskins, the first two touchdown passes he had, he was outside of the pocket. He was on the move. And I think there's a certain level of comfort that Sam has with being able to run and extend the plays and allow his receivers time to be able to separate from defenders downfield. Because let's face it, Anita, the group that Sam Donald has to throw the ball to, that's a very average group. All right, I, I, I don't want to take anything away from those guys, but in terms of looking at the landscape of the National Football League, I mean, it, this is not an elite skill position core, but what Sam Donald does do at, at a pretty good level is being able to extend plays, utilize his mobility. I think with the shaky offensive line, that's probably one of the best things that Adam Gase can do. Get Sam on the move early against this Oakland Raiders defense and get him an opportunity to get some easy completions, get him confident. I think that's something that they have to focus on early in this game if they're going to have a chance. Yeah, getting started early. Here's more from Sam Darnold about that. I think it's just Coach Gase, you know, the way that he game plans and really for us just going out there and executing, staying in a rhythm once we get the first first down and making sure that we stay in a really good rhythm. 800-919-3776. Chris, let's go to our phone lines. We go to Ira in Staten Island. Ira, welcome in. Hey, good morning, Anita. Good morning, Chris. Good morning. And you both, you both brought up some really good points, and, and I, I do agree that this offensive line is going to be a big test for the Jets' defensive front. Um, I, I think they're up to the task. But I think what you have to do is you're not going to be able to send Adams like you have the last two weeks. I think he's going to have to be back there to cover some of these tight ends. Seven or eight of these 15 touchdown passes that caught through have gone to the tight ends. So, you know what, if you could stop the run and you could kind of control the tight ends, um, I think with the weather conditions, and I like Bless Austin's play so far, um, I'll take my chances with Carr, you know, going down the field in this type of weather condition. But for the Jets, the key to me is, they have to go out there. They have to control the clock. 
Um, they have, you know, they haven't really got the running game going except against the Redskins last week. I don't know how much you could put into that, but you have to have Donald instead of the running game. You have to have the running game as an extent. You have to use a short passing game as an extension of the running game and hit those four or five yard passes, move Donald around, hit Crowder, hit Griffin. You know, you, you have uh, Thomas and just try to control the clock because uh, the, the better you keep the Raiders off the field offensively, the better chance it is. The only concern, I think the Jets will win a close game today. The only concern I have about this, if it comes down to kicking, uh, I got to give the Raiders a big advantage because, you know, quite frankly, no disrespect, the Jets have struggled kicking field goals and extra points. So hopefully it doesn't come down to that. Yeah, you don't want it to come down to, <laughs> to a field goal. That's, that's for sure. You, you felt better about your situation last year when you had a Pro Bowl kicker in Jason Myers. I mean, this year, not so much, but, I think Ira made some good points in terms of, you know, making sure you have attention to detail and you don't let certain guys wreck the game for you. Darren Waller is a game wrecker, Anita. I think that Greg Williams will have him front and center as one of the guys that they have to stop along with Josh Jacobs. But Anita, I'm with uh, Cynthia Freeland. I think Hunter Renfro is the guy that you really have to worry about. A receiver that's quicker than fast, that can do damage in between the numbers in terms of being able to run those slot option routes, being able to get matched up on your second or third corner and being able to separate from them and create an open target for Derek Carr. And that's, we're not talking about long completions down the field. Those are high percentage throws that John Gruden tries to build into that offense for Derek Carr, 200 Renfro. So that would be one of the things that I would be concerned with. How are we going to deal with Hunter Renfro, Renfro as a possession receiver? Chris, marinating this, because uh, a lot of times when we talk about matchups, uh, we do include the coaching staff. And John Gruden is a coach that is in discussion for coach of the year compared to Adam Gase, who in his first year was on the hot seat. Of course, the Johnson family came out and said that they are going to be committed to the coach heading into uh, 2020. But nonetheless, we get back. I want your thoughts on how you think coaching is going to play a role in today's game against the Jets and the Oakland Raiders. This is New York Game Day with Anita Marks and Chris Canty on 98.7 ESPN. Chris, before we go to our calls, just some updates here in regard to the wide, wide world of the NFL today. Um, Alshon Jeffrey, ankle expected to return and play for Philadelphia today. However, the Eagles are expected to be without uh, Jordan Howard, so it could be a hefty day for Miles Sanders. Now, Mohamed Sanu for the Patriots. Coming into today, there was an expectation that he would not play. Apparently, he felt good last night, and there's a quote-unquote chance that he will play today for the Patriots. Also, George Kittle expected to return tonight, Sunday night football. So if you fantasy football freaks out there, uh, I know difficult decision to sit back and wait, but reports are that Kittle will play. Um, I think that is it for right now. Debo Samuel on track to play for San Francisco as well. Uh, just some news and notes. Chris, uh, you, you want to comment on any of that or you want me to go to the lines? Well, I was just going to say Mohamed Sanu is a big one, right? Mm-hmm, getting mm-hmm. getting him back and allowing him to be that uh, that secondary receiver opposite of Julian Edelman and then try to sprinkle in some Nikhil Harry in there. The Patriots have been searching all season for weapons. They're even considering kicking the tires on Antonio Brown, who they released earlier this year. That just shows you how desperate that team is for playmakers for Tom Brady. So having Mohamed Sanu... For Tom Brady, the guy that they traded a second-round pick at the deadline for, that would be huge for them going up in this matchup against the Cowboys. 800-919-3776. Let's go to Mike in Astoria. Mike, you're up. Yes, hi. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. Listen, for the love of God, can we please stop talking about the Jets running the table? I mean, 
honestly, I'm a diehard Jet fan, and I understand this is the flagship. I've had my heart broken so many seasons, I can't even count. My therapist would tell you. But for some <laughs> reason, everybody keeps going to the... I mean, I mean, just really quick, look at the example of the New York Islanders. The New York Islanders were an atrocious franchise, okay? They changed the ownership to Ledecky. They changed the general manager to a proven Stanley Cup winner. And they changed the coach to a proven Stanley Cup winner. And boom, mediocre team right now with young talent, playoff bound. The Jets are atrocious management. Their problem is the management, and they are never going to get better until the management is changed and they get a proper coach. That Adam Gase hire was a slap in the face. Who's he whispering to? With what success? Trash. Absolute trash. And I have a little nugget of my own, by the way. Let's take the Wilpons, let's take the Johnsons, and let's take the Dolans, and let's put them in an escape room that they can never escape from, and let's save New York sports once and for all. Mike, Mike, you you get so much street street cred, street. Get it out, Anita. You get so much street cred for talking about an escape room. Chris, have you ever done an escape room before? No, I haven't, Anita, and I don't think I'm going to be in a hurry to sign up for one anytime soon. They are so fun. That's what we need to do. We need no, that's, no, 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 no. We need you're, to do you're, like no, a show. You're good with that, Anita. I don't need an escape room. I keep trying to tell you, I got enough adventure in my day to day life. I don't need that. Let me ask I don't have you. to manufacture adversity. Let, I got enough of that. Let me let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. If you if you could pick one one of us, one one fellow employee here at ninety eight point seven ESPN to go into an escape room with you, who would it be? Who would you take into the escape room with you to try to get out? Ooh, that's a great question, Anita. Mm-hmm. Huh. Mm-hmm. You know what? I, I would have to – it's a toss-up between two people. It would be one, Michael K and the other, Dave Rothenberg. Just the way that their minds work, I just feel like they would see something or notice something that I wouldn't pick up on. Are you kidding? You, you wouldn't take me? No, Anita, I wouldn't take you, no. Why wouldn't you take me into an escape room? I am a master at well, escape Anita, rooms. Anita, Anita, just based on how we pick football games, I mean, we see things the same way by and large. So, I mean, I, I don't need somebody that thinks exactly like me. I need somebody that thinks a little bit different from me. Wow. That way we have the best chance of having everything covered and we can get out of the room. Wow. I'm throwing this out to Twitter, social media, at Anita Marks. Canty, what's your Twitter again? I know it's very easy. Chris Candy 99. There we go. At Chris Candy 99. I'm curious if, if folks out there listening, if you had to take one 98.7 ESPN employee into an escape room to help you get out, who would it be? Hit us up on Twitter at Anita Marks at Chris Canty 99. Uh, let's go to David in Long Beach. David, you're up. Hi there, guy. Anita, I would pick you. Thank I, you. I just want you to know that. Thank you, uh, David. I'm a- I love you guys. Uh, I'm a long-suffering Jets fan, which is now an official word in the Merriam-Webster uh, Dictionary. Um, I've been watching Julian Edelman catch slants up, you know, for seven yards on first down against us for ten years. Um, I think that, you know, doing that with Jameson Crowder, getting the ball out of Sam's hands real quick would be a nice way to generate rhythm uh, throughout the game. I um, I have real concerns about Le'Veon Bell. I think I think the Jets really abused him while uh, Sam was out with Mono. Um, uh, if they're going to use him, let them try to get the ball to him in some kind of space, screen pass, anything. Although I think uh, Bilal Powell has uh, a lot more pep in his step at 
this point in the season, and maybe a 50-50 timeshare may work. I also think that um, the Jets' offense has really shortened the field to kind of protect Sam, but once in a while you've got to throw the ball long. I mean, one out of three, you're going to get a call, and that can help the Jets uh, maybe get, get going quick. David, thank you for the phone call. I appreciate it. Uh, We are up against a break. I apologize. This is New York Game Day with Anita Marks and Chris Canty on 98.7 ESPN. These allegations were to be true. I would have spilled the tea right after the game in the locker room. Why sit on something that explosive if you're Miles Garrett? You know you're going to get backlash from everyone in the media. So if you're going to defend yourself, the best time to have done that would have been in the locker room immediately after the game. That is Damian Woody on Get Up, uh, talking about all that went down with Miles Garrett this week. By the way, uh, this portion of the show, Around the League, brought to you by Ford, Lincoln, and Queens. Get the best pricing around at Ford, Lincoln, and Queens. Off the corner of Hillside Avenue and Queens Boulevard in Jamaica. Call one eight 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 yes ford or FordLincolnandQueens.com. Chris, let's start off right there. Uh, and for folks who are tuning in, if you don't know, not sure what rock you live under, but the NFL has um, uh, upheld their suspension, the remaining uh, remainder of the season suspension for Miles Garrett and some question marks heading into 2020 uh, in that appeal process that was supposed to be behind closed doors and not revealed to the public. Miles Garrett did say that Mason Rudolph called him a racial slur. And then uh, that was released to the public and uh, all hell broke loose this week. Curious, Chris, is the first chance you and I have had to talk about it. Uh, let's start off. I'm just curious. What are your thoughts about how the appeal process went down for Miles Garrett this week? Well, I mean, if this was something that was supposed to be in confidence, you hate that this actually leaked out. And I, I mean, there's speculation as to which side, whether it was the NFL or Miles Garrett's camp, leaked that information. But, uh, I mean, clearly Miles Garrett, with his response on social media, was disappointed that this information came out when he went through the hearing process for what took place on a Thursday night game a couple of weeks ago. But, I mean, as far as what's going on in this situation, Anita, it's he said, he said, I don't think that there's ever going to be any way you can definitively prove that Mason Rudolph did or did not use a racial slur toward him. I just think it would be a bit odd for a player to try to use this as an excuse, knowing, um, you know, how, how people are sensitive to, to those types of topics. Now, as far as, you know, when Miles Garrett should have came forth with that, that piece of information, I, I don't want to project what, what I would do, uh, onto Miles Garrett because he's a different person, but I, I need, I do have a hard time believing that he could sit on something for almost a week, something that was so hurtful, something that could be so explosive. I just, I just don't see it. And then beyond that, in his official statement the day after the incident took place, he publicly apologized to Mason Rudolph. Uh, if somebody used a racial slur toward me, I don't think that I would put them as a part of a, a public apology. So I just, it's a lot of it, a lot of this that doesn't make sense to me. Um, but this is how it all played out. I, I don't want to call somebody a liar, but clearly somebody in this situation, whether it's Mason Rudolph or Miles Garrett, isn't telling the truth. Yeah. I mean, Chris, again, uh, you played, you were in a locker room, a little perplexing that the NFL allegedly had an investigation as well and went in and asked a number of the, the, the Cleveland Browns players and the Pittsburgh Steelers players if any mention uh, was made about a racial slur. And the majority, if not all of them, said no. Uh, you're, you're in the locker room after a game. Don't you think you would hear that from Miles Garrett? Especially defensive player, you played on the defensive line. 
Well, here's the thing, Anita. I know guys are going to defend their teammates. That, that's just what it is. So I, I can't speak to whether or not somebody heard something or didn't hear anything because we weren't there. Uh, but I do know that in a locker room when there's controversy swirling around one guy, most players are going to defend their guy. I mean, you had, you know, think about the, 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 the video that surfaced when Riley Cooper was at a concert in the NFL offseason several years back and he used a racial slur. You had guys that were in that Philadelphia Eagles locker room defending the character of Riley Cooper after that incident took place. So, I mean, I, it's, it's not outside of the realm of possibility for somebody, somebody on the Steelers side to have heard something and still tried to defend their quarterback and saying that he didn't say that. I, I, I just think this is a situation that we'll never know the answer. We'll never get to a bot, to the bottom of it, but it's unfortunate because this is going to cast a cloud on both players as they move forward. All right, Chris, uh, another topic is Colin Kaepernick. There's some reports out there that he's going to hold another workout, workout part two, in around the owners' meetings in Florida in the next few weeks. Uh, giving the owners, and, and if you saw Hugh Jackson on Get Up this past week, Hugh Jackson said the travel time from the, from the Atlanta Falcons facility to the high school that Kaepernick was, uh, trying out at wasn't just an hour. It was about an hour and 30 minutes. Um, you know, so 90 minutes as opposed to 60 minutes in travel time. Uh, so uh, do you think this is wise on the Kaepernick part? And part two is, do you think any owners will show up if they do hold this tryout? No, I don't think anybody's going to show up, Anita. I, 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 unfortunately, I think that's, that's just where we're at right now. I think there were some missteps by Colin Kaepernick in terms of how he handled the workout that the NFL tried to put together for him. I know a lot of people say that the NFL was laying a trap for him and they had some language in the waiver that's not standard. But all of those things being said, Anita, there was still time for Kaepernick's camp to review the waiver and then exchange some proposals back and forth with the league office. I actually talked to somebody that was with the league office yesterday, and they said that Kaepernick's representatives had the waiver the Wednesday before the workout was scheduled. So, I mean, they announced it, I believe it was Tuesday afternoon, that the league office was trying to put together this workout. They said by Wednesday, Kaepernick's representatives had the waiver, and the fact that they didn't express any concerns about the waiver until the Friday before the workout, that that to me is the part that's inexcusable. If, if Colin Kaepernick really wanted to try to do everything that he could to showcase his abilities to prospective teams, then your, your representatives have to do a better job of communicating with the league office to try to work out any disagreements that you might have ahead of the workout that was scheduled for Saturday. So, you know, based on, based on that information and based on what we're hearing from Adam Schefter, that there's zero interest after Colin Kaepernick's impromptu workout on Saturday. I just have a hard time believing that there's going to be anybody that shows up to his workout around the owners' meetings. Another big storyline, Chris, is uh, Antonio Brown. He sends a, a, a tweet, apology to Kraft, and uh, the Patriots puts up a picture of him hugging Tom Brady, and apparently reports are that the Patriots kind of kicked the can around discussing bringing Antonio Brown back. God knows they need him. Uh, your thoughts, do you think that we will see Antonio Brown play in 2019? Anita, I, I don't think we will. Uh, I know the Patriots are exploring it. Uh, I know the NFL has been doing an investigation beyond the scenes about the two sexual assault accusations that AB faced this year. Um, but, but uh, you know, in terms of whether or not he's going to be able to mend fences, I know that Bill Belichick and, and some of the people in the Patriots front office might be interested 
in bringing back Antonio Brown because where else are you going to find a receiver of that caliber at this time of the year? But, Anita, I don't know that you can mend fences with the owner. And there were some things that Antonio Brown said about Robert Kraft that I don't know you, whether or not you can walk him back, you know, ever in life, but nonetheless in a couple, a couple of months removed. So I, I just don't see this happening. I know there's a clear need there, but I, but I don't see the Patriots going down that road. And, and if he couldn't make it work with the Patriots, I don't think there's going to be a lot of other NFL teams that have any interest in bringing on such a mercurial personality in Antonio Brown. All right, last but not least, Chris, uh, before we move on to our third hour, let's let's take a look at uh, the playoff picture right now. In the AFC, obviously the Patriots at 9-1. A lot of people anticipate them to beat the uh, Dallas Cowboys today. The Baltimore Ravens 8-2. and two. Um, And then it gets really interesting here. You've got Kansas City and Oakland kind of battling it out. I think one of them wins the division. The other one will get in as a playoff. I do believe the Buffalo Bills will get in as a wild card playoff team. And then the Texans beating the Colts on Thursday night. What a game that was. So the Texans now sitting at 7-4. and I think they win the division. Uh, and then some really big question marks in regard to the Colts, the Steelers, the Titans, the Cleveland Browns. Some people still feel that they have a, an opportunity to try to make it into the postseason. Um, so how do you see the AFC ending up in the postseason? Well, before we dive further into this, Anita, I got to give you your props because once upon a time, you said that the Oakland Raiders could challenge the Kansas City Chiefs for the AFC West, and I thought there was no chance in hell that that was going to happen. And here they are sitting one game back, and the two teams meet up next week. So I just I got to give you your props on that one. Thank I did you, not see Thank you, I did not see this Oakland Raiders team coming. I know a lot of people didn't see it coming. People thought John Gruden was crazy when he traded away Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper. But he doesn't look so crazy now, Anita. This this turnaround has happened seemingly overnight. But that being said, I do believe that the Raiders will be a wild card team. I do believe that the Buffalo Bills will be a wild card team. The Pittsburgh Steelers and the Indianapolis Colts will make a push. But I think both of those teams find themselves on the outside looking in. All right. And for the NFC, uh, much more competitive conference, that's for sure. Uh, the 49ers at nine and one, the Green Bay Packers at eight and two, the Saints at eight and two, Dallas Cowboys. Very interesting. The Dallas Cowboys, I think it's going to come down to the Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles game on December 22nd. I think that's going to be a playoff game. Whoever wins that game, I, I think both these teams are going to have nine wins at that point. And whoever wins that game then gets into the postseason. And that's on December 22nd and it's in Philadelphia. Who do you have winning that game? Well, here's the thing, Anita. I know, I know health is going to be a major concern once we get to that point. And the Philadelphia Eagles are dealing with a lot of injuries on that offensive side of the ball. I guess the one that probably concerns me the most is their, their right tackle, Lane Johnson. He might be the most important piece on that offense. And I know that sounds crazy to think talking about an offensive lineman, but if you look at when he's in the lineup as opposed to when he's not, there's clearly a difference in terms of the production that you're going to get. But even with that being said, I have a hard time seeing the Philadelphia Eagles not getting to nine wins. Now, if they somehow, someway pull off the upset today against the Seahawks, that makes that game in Philadelphia against the Dallas Cowboys that much more interesting. But I think it's a race to ten games to see who wins the NFC East. And right now you have to say the Dallas Cowboys are the leader in the clubhouse. He is Chris Canty. I'm Anita Marks. You're listening to New York Game Day. Uh, on the opposite end, we come back with Hour 3, and we kick it off with Anita's locks of the week. We'll find out as well who Chris Canty likes this week. Also, coming up in the second hour, we got to talk about the Turkey Day games because it is Thanksgiving on Thursday. So we'll, we'll tee those up for you. I always like to look ahead to the Week 13 lines and get a jump on those. 
Um, and uh, we have our can or canty and, of course, our predictions. So uh, hour three, kicking off next, New York Game Day here on 98.7 ESPN. This is New York Game Day with Anita Marks and Chris Canty on 98.7 ESPN. Anita Marks and Chris Canty. Uh, we're going to get to uh, locks in the week in just a second, but we do have some breaking news. Ian Rappaport is reporting that uh, the Giants would be interested in Dallas Cowboys head coach Jason Garrett if the Dallas Cowboys release Jason Garrett. Um, so, Chris, let's go back to our discussion in regard to the Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, question number one to you is, if the Dallas Cowboys do not make it to the postseason, are you? how confident are you that the, the Dallas Cowboys will fire Jason Garrett? Well, they wouldn't have to fire him, Anita. His contract would be over with. But I'm 100% certain that if the Cowboys don't make it to the postseason, Jason Garrett will not be the head coach in 2020. As a matter of fact, Anita, I think the Dallas Cowboys have to make an NFC Championship game appearance. If they don't get to that point, then I think Jerry Jones would strongly consider moving on because that team is built to compete for a championship right now. Jerry Jones just paid a running back $90 million. Reset the market at that position. The only reason he did that is because he feels like that's the piece or that's one of the pieces that they need in order to compete for a championship over the course of the next two to three seasons. So if Jason Garrett doesn't make any strides in terms of getting the team closer to that point, then I think they would consider moving on. So, and and just before we start talking about the Giants, like in regards to the Dallas Cowboys, I know they're in love with the new offensive coordinator who's come in, and, and I know there's a lot of talk about Dak Prescott and why isn't he more in the discussion for MVP this year based on the season he's having. And uh, you also want to give credit to the offensive coordinator, but also isn't who, who's the defensive coordinator there? That there was Chris Richard. Ta- there you go. So who who do you think if they move on from Jason Garrett, who do you think will step in and become the head coach for the Dallas Cowboys? Oh, it'll be. Lincoln Riley or Ryan Day from Ohio State. It'll be it'll be a huge name in the landscape of, of pro or college football. Yeah, I, I think I think Jerry Jones would be going after somebody that uh, that's an innovative offensive mind, somebody that can you know get the most out of the talent that they have on that side of the ball. They've got a ton of resources invested in that offense. Indeed, I mean, you look at the offensive line. I mean, Tyron Smith, one of the top paid players at his position. Zach Martin, one of the top played players at his position. Travis Frederick, one of the top played players at his position. I mean, Amari Cooper will be one of the top paid players at his position. Dak Prescott will also be one of the top paid players, if not the top paid quarterback in football. And Ezekiel Elliott is the top paid running back in football. So, I mean, for all of the resources that they've put on that side of the ball, Jerry Jones is going to want to get somebody in there that can take advantage of having that kind of talent. So to me, it means going out and doing some outside of the box thinking. You know, people speculated whether or not Sean Payton would be interested, but the Saints just locked him up to a long-term extension. So I think the next biggest name that Jerry would consider looking at would probably be Lincoln Riley. And oh, by the way, it's not like Jerry Jones hadn't had success going and getting the head coach of Oklahoma to win him a Super Bowl. Uh, so let's turn our attention to how this would affect the Giants. Keep in mind, in 2000, Jason Garrett signed a free agent contract with the Giants to back up Kerry Collins. On February 27, 2002, he was relief, released for salary cap reasons, but then resigned on July 24th. Um, although he'd be declared inactive in 16 games, um, he was passed up on the on the depth chart by Jesse Palmer, who was named the backup quarterback in 2003, um, and he was declared inactive in 11 games uh, during that uh, that that 
time frame that he was the third string quarterback for the Giants. But know this and, and again, Chris, you played for the organization. I work for the organization. Um, I know that uh, the Mara family uh, really uh, loves Jason Garrett. And and, and so I, I can totally see this happening, that if Jason Garrett was to become available, uh, that the Mara family, and I'm sure Mara slash Tish, would be extremely interested in bringing Jason Garrett on because uh, their relationship goes back all the way back to, to 2000. And they really they, they really like him a lot. Well, Anita, a decade ago, Jason Garrett was the hot name in coaching, right? I mean, even going back to, what was it, 2008? When, uh, when the Baltimore Ravens had a coaching vacancy, I believe the Atlanta Falcons had a vacancy as well. And Jason Garrett's name was linked to both of those jobs. Then he was the offensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys and Wade Phillips was the head coach. But I mean, Jason Garrett passed up on those opportunities because he wanted to have the opportunity to be the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. He was able to command that kind of attention for that job. So I mean, he was well regarded as a, as a coordinator and as a head coach. He hasn't he hasn't been bad, Anita. I mean, it hasn't been the results that the Cowboys are looking for. But I mean, in over in a decade of coaching, he's had one losing season, and that happened to be the year where Tony Romo only played in four games. So, I mean, Jason Garrett has, has gotten his team to the playoffs several times. I think they've got three playoff appearances. They've got uh, two playoff wins. So, I mean, it's not like the guy can't coach. It's just. Good is not good enough right now for the Dallas Cowboys. They're looking for a head coach that can put them in the championship contention. And it feels like this is Jason Garrett's last year. But if you're the New York Giants and you're trying to lay a foundation for a team, you, you do want somebody that's capable of being able to rebuild the team. And I think Jason Garrett has shown us that throughout his tenure as a head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. All right. Uh, Chris, again, breaking news that Ian Rappaport is reporting that uh, if, in fact, Jason Garrett was to become available, the uh, the Giants would uh, kick the tires around and potentially possibly bringing Jason Garrett on and uh, and and firing Pat Shermer. Uh, so just uh, marinating that for the next few weeks, folks. We get back. Uh, we will dive into Locks of the Week next, 98.7 ESPN. This is New York Game Day with Anita Marks and Chris Canty on 98.7 ESPN. Anita's Locks of the Week. And we're not talking about her long blonde hair. That's right. It's time for Locks of the Week. This portion of the show brought to you by Key Food. Urban Meadows, the proud official salty snack of New York game day. From the meadows to your urban lifestyle, Urban Meadow. Chris, you ready? I'm ready to roll, Anita. All right, here we go. And by the way, uh, we're going to roll through these locks of the week because I'm sure we've got a number of folks who want to chime in on uh, this uh, report from Ian Rappaport about Miles Garrett. And we do want to open up the phone lines and we want to hear from some of our listeners out there. Uh, what is your take? If Miles Garrett was to become available, do you think that that would be a great move? Or a bad move for the Giants to go out and grab him and fire Pat Shermer? So, uh, Jason Garrett, too. Yeah, who, who did I say? Miles Garrett. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> both of them. Hey, both of them are Freudian, available. Hey, Freudian slip. Freudian slip. I've got Miles Garrett on the on the brain. Uh, so yeah. So J- thank you, Chris. So Jason Garrett. What are your thoughts? Jason Garrett getting hired by the Giants if the Dallas Cowboys do fire him. Eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Okay, Chris. Uh, this week I am on an island by myself uh, with a number of these picks that um, a lot of people I don't think are are on the same page with me. First and foremost. 
I don't want to dive too much into it because uh, we are with our last segment with our predictions, but I love the Raiders today, minus three against the Jets, and I've gotten wind that a lot of sophisticated, sharp money are all over the Oakland Raiders today, and they're feeling like this is the third best play of the season. Motivation, more so for the Raiders competing with the Kansas City Chiefs to win that division. Give me John Gruden seven days a week over Adam Gase. I think Carr is going to have a ton of time back there. I think his offensive line is going to give him a ton of time. He's going to be able to pass for over 300 yards, maybe two or three touchdown passes. I think the offensive line wins the battle in the trench. Like I can go on and on and on. Jets defense, not great against the pass. I just love the Oakland Raiders today, minus three against the Jets. Um you want to make a quick comment on that? Before? No, I'm right there with you, Anita. Money has been coming in throughout the course of the week on the Raiders. I mean, it's, I think the line started out around two, two and a half, and now it's up to three, three and a half in some places. So, yeah, I mean, everybody, everybody out there is agreeing with you that the Raiders should take care of business. For me, it's simple. If the Raiders are a playoff team, this is a game that you have to win on the road. And the Raiders' offense has been great on the road. I said it earlier. But in terms of yards per play, the number one raw offense on the road, the Oakland Raiders. So I think they take care of their their business against the Jets. Even though the Jets' run defense is pretty good, I think the Raiders find a way to move the ball, score some points. All right, number two. I love the Atlanta Falcons, minus three and a half against the Bucks. You mentioned it a few weeks ago. Since Raheem Morris took over uh, coaching the defense and he's calling plays on third and fourth down, this is Atlanta Falcons defense, 11 sacks, four interceptions. They haven't allowed a touchdown scored on them in the past two weeks. And combined in the last two games, they've put up 55 points. They've only allowed 12. You have Jameis Winston coming to Atlanta, their home. And Jameis Winston, 18 interceptions on the day. By the way, the prop that Jameis Winston throws an interception in this game. I love that. Meanwhile, the Bucks ranked 30th defense in the NFL against the pass. The last four games, all quarterbacks have put up three, if not more, touchdown passes. I think Matt Ryan has a big day. I love Atlanta minus three and a half. I love it too. I took it at four and a half on Friday, Anita, for all the reasons that you said. I love the Falcons. I mean, they've given up a combined nine points in the last two games against division opponents. This is their third consecutive division opponent. I just see the Falcons rolling today down in Atlanta. And, um, and, and again, here's, here's another one that I don't think a lot of people are on this side either. And that's the Dallas Cowboys. Um, I got them at plus six and a half. Money is rolling in on the Cowboys side. How do you know that? Because now the line has dropped to plus five and a half. This is uh, a, a Patriots team. Tom Brady dealing with a shoulder. Question marks about Mohamed Sanu starting today, playing today because of an ankle. No, uh, Philip Dorsett. So his weapons are going to be uh, very limited. Weather conditions, not good in Foxborough. What does that mean? They're going to run the football a lot. Give me Ezekiel Elliott seven days a week and twice on Sunday over any of the running backs for the Patriots. They have not done well this season. You've got a Dallas Cowboys defense. They have a 27% QB pressure rating in the NFL. And Chris, that is the, the highest QB pressure rating that Tom Brady has faced all season. And when he is up against pressure and he doesn't have a clean pocket, worst quarterback in the NFL in completion percentage, only at 33%. And I've been saying this all season long. Who have the Patriots played? No one except the last three weeks. And guess what? The last three weeks, Chris, they've only scored on 13% of their offensive possessions. I love Dallas later on this afternoon, plus five and a half. 
Here's what I will say, Anita. I believe that the concerns you have about the Patriots' offense are valid. I, I, I'm not sure how they're going to figure out how to move the ball and score points on this one. But the one thing I will say, the one thing that has been the Pat's saving grace this season has been that defense. At home this year, they've only allowed two offensive drives to reach the red zone. Just two, Anita. Two offensive drives. So you talk about the bad conditions. You talk about the heavy dose of the running game. Getting to the, for the Dallas Cowboys, getting to the red zone will be a challenge. And then scoring seven in the red zone, uh, also a challenge because the Patriots defense, one of the best red zone defenses in the National Football League. So I, I just, I look at this game and I think to myself, the Dallas Cowboys kicking field goals ain't going to get it done on the road in Foxborough. That's why I lean Patriots, but I think this is going to be a great game. Um, so those are my three top, my top three plays, my Anita's three lock of the week. Um, some other plays that I do like, Chris, I love the Pittsburgh Steelers Cincinnati under 37 and a half. Both these teams without a lot of offensive star power. I don't think a lot of points are going to be put up in that game. I do believe Pittsburgh wins, but I like the under and also a game that uh, I, I know again, I'm on an island here. I think the Eagles win today in Philadelphia against Seattle. You're not uh, on an island. You're not on an island. I feel the same exact way. And I don't know, I don't know how the hell, listen, Anita, (laughs) I don't know how the hell the Eagles are going to get it done. Cause everything you look at in this game points to the Seahawks. But the one thing I will say Mm -hmm. this year, the Philadelphia Eagles, when they got to have a win, they find a way to be able to get that win. Remember earlier in the year in Lambeau Field playing the Packers, they had to get a win. They got a win up in Buffalo. A few weeks ago, had to get a win, they got a win. Those are two teams that are going to be in the postseason, quality teams, where the Philadelphia Eagles went on the road and got a win. This time, a playoff team in the Seattle Seahawks coming to their place off of a bye week. I just feel like somehow, some way, the Philadelphia Eagles find a way to continue to stay relevant in the postseason picture. They get a win. I'm with you. Keep in mind, uh, the Seattle Seahawks, uh, the worst QB pressure rate in the NFL. They do not get after a quarterback. So what does that mean? Carson Wentz is going to have all day back there. I know no Nelson Aguilar, but Alshon Jeffrey is expected to play. No Jordan Howard, but Miles Sanders is expected to play, and he's utilized big time in the passing game, and he will have both his tight ends in Zach Ertz and Goddard. So, um, I, I One love- thing to keep an eye out in this game, Anita, mm-hmm. them throwing the ball to Zach Ertz on first and second down to try to get ahead of schedule. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things that they've been trying to sprinkle in there the last few games. I think they're going to continue to try to feature Zach Ertz on early downs and distance to get in more third and manageable situations. So these are my plays, Chris. What are, what are some of your favorite plays this week? Well, not to toot my own horn, Anita, but I went 3-0 and last oh, week, I taking all did. favorites. I know you Chiefs, did. Chiefs, Pat Saints, that was the second consecutive week I went 3-0, and by the way. This week is already off to a rough start because I took the Texans minus 3.5 against the Colts. They only won by 3, so that's an L. My best bet of the week and the one I'm using against R.J. Bell in our contest, I took the Falcons minus 4.5. But the third pick that I had this week is the Green Bay Packers coming off of a bye week getting the three points on the road against the San Francisco 49ers. I know the 49ers defense is all-world, but it's just something about this Packers team Anita, I think they're continuing to get better. And keep in mind, the last time they went out west, it was week nine. They got blasted by the Chargers. Aaron Rodgers complained about their travel arrangements and getting in late. I'm sure that they won't have those same concerns this time around. And Aaron Rodgers will be in the crosshairs. This will be a game that his team needs him to show up. I think the Packers actually go on the road and get the win. So I certainly love them with the three points.
Hey, I, I got a shout out here on Twitter really quick, Chris. It's from Barnett. He said, love listening to you guys each week. Unfortunately, I listened to the trifecta last week, which, by the way, I did not do well. But you know you'll bounce back this week. Hopefully I do, Barnett. Thank you for the tweet. Chris, uh, before we uh, we go to our calls, again, 800-919-3776. If you're just tuning in, Ian Rappaport is reporting that if my if 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 Jason Garrett becomes available, if the Dallas Cowboys fire Jason Garrett at the end of the season and becomes available, that the that the the Giants would be interested in firing Pat Shermer and hiring Jason Garrett. Giants fans, we want to hear from you. How do you feel about that move if it was to happen? 800-919-3776. But before we go to their calls, Chris, uh, don't forget Turkey Day. We'll be here before we know it. It's on Thursday. I'm so stoked for it. It's my favorite day of the year. Detroit minus one and a half against the Bears. Dallas minus seven against the Bills. And the Saints minus six in Atlanta. Out of those three games, what's your favorite play there? Whoa, I would probably go, I'm going to go the Cowboys and I'll lay the seven Anita because I think the Cowboys will be in a must win situation coming off of an L in Foxborough. I do not think they win today. If they don't win today, they got to take care of their business on a short week at home against the Buffalo Bills. So I would take the Cowboys. Yeah, keep in mind the Saints went up against Atlanta two weeks ago. It was uh, probably Drew Brees' worst game. Of his career and a big reason why, again, I mentioned it earlier, Raheem Morris uh, making his way from the offense to the defensive side of the coaching staff and uh, really came with a different defensive game plan that really kind of shocked uh, Drew Brees in that Saints offense. So I actually uh, now going up against them a second time now with three weeks of film work and we both know. Drew Brees is one of the best in the business when it comes to professionalism. You know that he's going to be uber ready for this matchup. And so I do like the Saints minus six. All right, Chris, uh, we're going to take a quick break. We come back. We'll get to all your calls. We do want to hear from you uh, with the report, Ian Rappaport, the potential, the possibility of Jason Garrett becoming the next head coach for the Giants if, in fact, the Dallas Cowboys do fire him. Also, we have our can or can't he segment coming your way next. All that, 98.7 ESPN. This is New York Game Day with Anita Marks and Chris Canty on 98.7 ESPN. This is Can He or Can't He? Can He or Can't He? I think that Le'Veon Bell does go over 100. I think he has a huge day today. Daniel Jones! Over under one and a half touchdowns. Can or Can't He? Daniel Jones is going to be forced to throw the ball a whole lot to try to get his team back into the game. Jamison Crowder over 75. Same with Robbie Anderson. I think I would roll with Jamison Crowder just because he plays the slot receiver. He's going to get a lot of touches. This has been your Can or Can't He? Jets and Giants style. Here on 98.7 ESPN. All right, this portion of the show uh, brought to you by Shinerbach, an American style dark lager independently brewed in Shiner, Texas since 1909. All right, Chris, let's start with the Giants. Um, can or can't he? Uh, let's go with uh, a lot of people feel that. Uh, this is going to be a big rushing game. Here's an interesting prop bet that's out there. It's, it's a player prop bet. Saquon Barkley, 100 rushing yards, and the Giants win for plus 480. Can or can't he? No, I'm going to say Saquon Barkley doesn't go over 100 yards rushing. The Chicago Bears, they're only allow, allowing 3.6 yards per attempt. That's good for fourth in the National Football League. I just don't see it happening against this defense, Need I just don't. They, they had 
problems trying to find places to run against the New York Jets. It became one-dimensional as an offense. Even though Daniel Jones threw four touchdown passes, the Jets' defense was able to put a lot of hits on them because they made that team one-dimensional. I'm afraid the same thing is going to happen when they go up to the Chicago today. All right, let's talk about some wide receivers in this game. Sterling Shepard over under 48.5 receiving yards. Golden Tate over over under 51.5. What do you like? Uh, I like Golden Tate to go over that. I, I like Golden Tate matched up against this Chicago Bears secondary. Uh, my former teammate, Prince Mukamar, former New York Giant, he's in that secondary. I just feel like if Golden Tate gets lined up against him, there are going to be a lot of opportunities for catch and run in the passing game. So Golden Tate goes over 51 yards. Sterling Shepard, not sure what to expect him coming back from the concussion protocol. So I'm going to say under. All right, last but not least, a guy that I like, I think this is a sleepy good play, and that is Taylor Gabriel. Longest completion over under 19.5 yards and over under 3.5 receptions. I think the Giants' defense is going to pay a lot of attention to Allen Robinson, the Bears' number one receiver. That means one-on-one coverage for Taylor Gabriel and Anita, whether he was with Atlanta or whether he was with the Bears last year. We know he can hit home runs, so I think that Taylor Gabriel does have a reception that goes over 19 yards. All right, uh, looking ahead to the Jets-Oakland game. We talked about Hunter Renfro. You and Cynthia Freeland um, love this guy today. His longest reception over under 15.5 receiving yards, over under 3.5 receptions, Chris. I'm going to say over on the 3.5 receptions, Anita. And then, of course, if he's going to get the ball, he's probably going to have one one catch that goes over 15 yards. So I'm going to say yes, Hunter Renfro over on both. All right, two guys that are heavy targets for Sam Darnold, especially as of late. Ryan Griffin, uh, two and a half receptions, 31 and a half receiving yards. And Jamison Crowder, four and a half receptions, 61 and a half receiving yards. Can or can't they? I'm going to say Jamison Crowder goes over on both of those. I'm going to say Ryan Griffin does not. Ryan Griffin does not. So I'm going to say Jamison Crowder is the play, not Ryan Griffin. Now, I think the game comes down to this. Helmet on helmet, uh, Oakland Raiders dancing bears against the Jets. Uh, Josh Jacobs in the running for rookie of the year over under 77 and a half rushing yards. I'm going to say under, Anita. The Jets run defense is legit. I don't see that changing this week just because they're going up against that big offensive line. I think that Josh Jacobs allows them to stay with the running game. But I say this all the time about the running game. It's not necessarily about the yards. Sometimes it's just about the attempts to be able to set up opportunities and play action passing, one-on-one coverage. I think that Derek Carr takes advantage of it. So Derek Carr is the reason why the Raiders win today, not Josh Jacobs. But Josh Jacobs is still effective, just not over 77 yards. And last but not least, uh, Le'Veon Bell over under 56 and a half rushing yards. I'm going to go under, Anita. I just... Something about this game, I just feel like the Jets are going to be playing from behind. That means Sam Darnold throwing the football. So I think they get away from Le'Veon Bell running the football. They try to use the short passing game to him as an extension of the run game. But I'm going to say he's under 56 yards rushing. All right, this has been Can or Canty. It's now time for our predictions. We're supposed to be experts, so here are our NFL predictions. All right, this segment brought to you by Security Dodge, uh, New York. Game day, go to Security Dodge Amniville during Jeep Adventure Days and Ram Power Days. Get up to 25% off selected Ram trucks like the 2019 Ram 1500 only at Security Dodge. With that being said, Chris, what do you want to do first, Giants or Jets? Uh, Let's go with the New York Giants, Anita. All right. Who do you have? What's the score? I'm going to go with the score 20-14, to 
Chicago Bears. I, I want to go with the Giants, Anita. I want to, I want to think that they're going to be able to find something coming off of the bye week. Daniel Jones having an opportunity to regroup, but I just don't see it happening. Not against that defense and not against Mitch Trubisky with all the scrutiny that he faced coming off of that Sunday night game against the Rams where he got benched at the end. So I'm going to say that the Bears, they quiet the critics. Even if it's just for a week, they take care of their business against the New York Giants. I got it. 20 to 14 Chicago Bears. Brace yourself. I actually think the Giants win this game. Chris. Wow. Um, I, okay. I know. I've got the Giants 23 to 20. I think a heavy dose of Saquon Barkley, the Bears defense, not what we thought they would be coming in. I think he's going to get a lot of carries. Uh, I like the fact that Sterling Shepard is back. Um, Golden Tate, Darius Slayton, like, they've been able to put up some, some, some good yards in the passing game. I think Daniel Jones is going to run a lot, and I think it's going to be a close game. I actually like the Giants 23-20, so I like them getting the points and maybe throw some money on that money line. For the Jets, what's your score? Okay, Anita, I've got a 24-20 Oakland. I said it before, I'll say it again. Oakland is going to be a playoff team, and if you're a playoff team, this is a game that you have to win on the road. The Oakland Raiders offense has been solid on the road as well as at home. And so I, I don't see them having any issues in terms of being able to move the ball, especially through the air. The one place we know that Jets defense can get got is in their secondary, particularly with their corners. So I'm going to say that Derek Carr has a big day along with Tyrell Williams, Darren Waller, and Hunter Renfro. So I've got it again. Oakland Raiders 24, New York Jets 20. I am with you. Um, I am all about Oakland. It's one of my favorite plays. And also, um, I've got wind that some very sophisticated, sharp money is all over the Oakland Raiders today. Minus three, minus three and a half. And they feel that this is their third, like, like top three play of the season. Of the season. Wow. And these are, these are, these are sophisticated sharps. I got that from Warren Sharp, by the way, who was on with me yesterday. And he is every He Saturday. would be a sharp. Yes, he went. He's on with me every Saturday at 2.15. Uh, so the score I have here is Oakland 28 and the Jets 17. 28-17 Oakland Raiders. I think Derek Carr has a huge, huge day. All right. Uh, we do have a, a few folks who still want to chime in. We got a, a, about a two, three minutes left in the show. Uh, so let's get to your calls. And obviously some of the biggest news, and I'm sure Dan Gross and Greg Buttle will be talking about the Ian Rappaport uh, report that uh, potentially if Jason Garrett does get fired by the Dallas Cowboys, that uh, the Giants very well could bring him in. Let's go to Brent in Port Chester. Brent, welcome. Hey, guys. Um, so about the Jason Garrett thing, it's a bit strange to me because I've heard for a few weeks fans calling in the ballet, oh, get Mike McCarthy when Shermer's fired. And let's ignore for a second that pretty much anything's an upgrade over Shermer. Garrett and McCarthy are uncreative. That's sort of the narrative on them and sort of underachieving. I just don't understand why that would be the move. I understand moving off Shermer, but just your thoughts on if they really are uncreative and not true leaders, that's the way I see them. Chris? Well, I'm, I, I don't know if I want to go the route of calling both of them not creative. I, I think that's a bridge too far. Have they had the success that everybody expected them to have? No. But, I mean, Mike McCarthy won a Super Bowl. 
So, I mean, that's winning at the highest level. I mean, you know that Mike McCarthy is a quality head coach in the National Football League. There is no question mark about that. Same thing with Jason Garrett. Even though he hadn't done high-level winning, you know he's a quality coach. Only one losing season in a decade of being the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. He's got two playoff wins on his resume. He's a quality coach. At this point, if you're the New York Giants, I I don't want to take a chance and swing and miss on a guy that I have question marks on whether or not he can do the job. Going into year two of my franchise quarterback, I want somebody that's had success developing quarterbacks, and both McCarthy and Jason Garrett have developed young quarterbacks. You can't take that away from those guys. Chris, great job as always. Like I say, each and every week, I love waking up and spending my Sunday mornings with you. Nikki, Kyrie, thank you so much. Great job. Stay tuned. Your Jets pregame show with Dan Grasso and Greg Buttle comes your way next here on 98.7 ESPN. This is New York Game Day with Anita Marks and Chris Canty on 98.7 ESPN.